When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 549 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, he's Emil Evanesian, and Emil, the last time we spoke, Barca had just come off two 5-0 wins, one of those against Real Betis. So it's a bit of positive deja vu, though this one was only 4-2, and I'm hoping yes. that after this match, that things were a bit better than the last time we spoke. Yeah, I mean, if, if there's any takeaways from this, I think we should just speak more frequently, because... Uh... We didn't chat and the wheel started to wobble. But yeah, and well, even uh, yesterday, as we started texting, it was, it went from 2 0 to 2 2 in a span of about three yeah. minutes. And uh, yeah, it's great to be back and uh, great to be discussing another victory against Betis. And uh, particularly after the sort of the hour mark uh, yesterday, I'm really glad we get to discuss a victory. Yeah, well, I don't believe in jinxes, none of that. People know who watch games with me, I don't. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter what I do across the world from a game. It doesn't matter what jersey I'm wearing. It. I, I will say though, there is this little thing where I feel like when I wear, I have the the red and yellow stripes Sierra jersey from about yeah. years ago now, or eleven years ago now, and I used to always wear that for El Clasico while Messi was around, and it always yeah. worked out. And since then. But again, I don't think that has to do with me and more that has to do with lack of it, Yeah. <laughs> I think Messi helped, yeah. But I, I do think there is something to, to what <laughs> they do and what they wear. So when they do wear the the Sinera or whatever version it is yeah. in El Clasico, I feel like it just doesn't work out there. I think there might be something to what, wait, what they wear and what they do in there and all that stuff. And the only thing I will say about Real Betis is that it is very helpful for Barcelona to play Real Betis or to play Pellegrini at all, because he is the common factor more than you and I texting or messaging yes. each other. Because <laughs> Pellegrini, other than winning the one game at the Camp Nou last season, he yeah. had lost and has now lost 15 of 16 games against Barcelona. So <laughs> he is the perfect manager for Xavi and, their t- and the team to get a little bit of confidence. So yeah, <laughs> I-, I think the four talking points we have here are pretty set in stone as the main <laughs> things we have to hit. So I think where we begin is with Ferran Torres and people who have listened to five headlines. It's going to be a little repetitive, but I've got some new stuff today. Mm-hmm. And first and foremost, I want to hear from you. What would be the game verdict on Ferran Torres in terms of this season? Playing him on the left 
the middle or the right. He can kind of go wherever. And yeah. then the idea of him being the starter now, just kind of being the starter over Zhao Felix and how you feel about his role in the squad, how that might have changed with a hat trick and, and these goals, if if at all, or if this is just Ferran Torres feasting against Real Betis, and we kind of say it's a one-off in that way. Just It's a hat trick. So it was obviously it was a great performance. And I hate to say right place, right time, because, you know, that's probably true of the vast majority of goals that are scored. It was a, it was a great combination of kind of opportunistic and clinical and, but also just pretty locked in. I mean, I think he played very well. I like him. And I I realize we'll probably veer into this territory, uh, you know, as we were talking before, before hitting record, I like him either on the left or actually in the middle watching him play yesterday. I thought he was, I don't know. I think like, yeah, it was kind of locked in and, when he first, not even when he first joined Barca, but even for quite some time after he joined Barca, I mean, we had several conversations about, is it going to work out for him? What's, you know, what's, what's wrong with him? The, the fans here were, were nonplussed for, for a while and everything like that. I think yesterday was just, I think for, for a while now, it's, you know, it's, it's evident. He is a very good, very skilled player who, you know, he's a guy who knows what he's doing. It's it's very easy when, you know, on a big money move, when a when a guy's confidence gets rattled a little bit to go into hyperbole about what's wrong or, you know, was he ever that good or should, you know, but I think he's a very good player who's found it, you know, at least seems to be finding a role, found his role, certainly found his confidence. And I think he believes that he, there, there was a point last year, um, I remember towards the end of last season, we talked about he or Ansu Fati being odd man out. And it seemed almost, I mean, I guess Ansu did wind up leaving. So it was assuredly one of the two of them. I mean, I, I don't know who I'd have given you odds on. It was a coin flip maybe for me. And to go from that conversation to now where in a, in a game where Barca needs every win they can get. And even then they're not, you know, they're not guaranteed of a repeat of last year, but at the very least to whatever we want to say, just solidify the ground under Xavi and, you know, just, build some build some good vibes around the team and ideally you know go into the next stages and you know the next parts of the Champions League and ideally hopefully in you know in a on a Copa del Rey run with you know just confidence and as a team that is playing well and not just trying to piecemeal together piecemeal together results and and white knuckle their way through this thing um yeah he was a good player who played I thought he played an excellent game and he was to an extent being opportunistic is is a skill and he he nailed it yesterday. Well, I think it's interesting that you say about the left and center because, you know, historically, he's been his best. Going back to his Valencia day, he's been the best on the right. But we have such a small sample size of him on the right because of Rafinha and Lamine and even Jao Cancelo, if, if, we remind, if I remind you, we go back there. So he doesn't really have the opportunity to have, to have seen that. And I, I think his where he goes missing the most is on the left, but it's also where he features the most. But... I think her, you know, his goals per 90 and his success in the middle. And even then, Vita Roque has been brought in. But his third goal yesterday was in that 4-4-2 formation where he's playing as one of the two forwards up top with Vita Roque. Because if you remember when Kubarsi goes down and is subbed out for Jao Felix in the 81st minute, I said yesterday, and I agree with it, even if Kubarsi was fit. It, it is an interesting move by Xavi. I think Xavi Felix was going to enter that game no matter what. It's a matter of who he's coming in for. But I also don't know who comes out for him. It, I, maybe it is Ferran Torres that leaves the game in that juncture and Xavi Felix then comes in for him. And Or is it Lamine Mall who exits the game at that point? Vitor Roque goes to the right. Ferran Torres stays in the middle and Xavi Felix on the left. So if Kubarsi didn't pick up the knock, something different happens. But instead, because Kubarsi picked up the knock, and the other option was to put Hector Fort in as the right back and move Kunde and, and Araujo as the center pairing and then stick with what would have been a 4-3-3. That would have been the other option for Kabarsi. But instead, it's Jao Felix because Xavi wants to win the game. And that's a substitution that, again, I, I credit Xavi for making in the future that he made it. For Ferran Torres, I want to add some numbers to the thing I said yesterday about Ferran. And I think, too, I want to set this up that there's two different discussions that I think people are having about Ferran Torres, and I want to be clear about the one we're having. There's the big discussion about, is he worth the 55 million euro price tag with 11 million per season amortization that <laughs> came in with in 2011, I mean, 2021 rather. So we're now two years into a five-year deal. 
is he worth that deal? And that's discussion one. <laughs> discussion two yeah. is how good has he been this season? And what value does he have as a member of the squad in the 2023-24 season? I want to talk about that first before we talk about the second, no, or the, the first thing I set up about what he means in his contract. And again, I want to separate those conversations. And we get too mixed up with saying, okay, does this one performance against Rob Betis prove that he is worth the 55 million euros that he came in for? And I find that conversation to be exhausting because yes. you wind up doing that every time with every match over every player's contract or their transfer fee, whatever they came in. So for Farron Torres this season, what I will say, he has been beyond a net positive for a player that now this is just talking about fours who've played 500 plus minutes mm-hmm. uh, for FC Barcelona at the moment. So we're not even, so Mark Yu is not on this list. But Farron Torres is the only, there's probably more of a, not a compliment to the other forwards than it is a compliment to Farron Torres. But <laughs> Torres is the only Barca forward who has overperformed his, and I know we're going to use a, a trite measurement, but expected goals or XG season. So Ferran Torres sits at 11 goals from 6.2 XG, which is almost double his XG. Lewandowski sits at 12 from 13 XG. Alex is 7 goals from 7 XG, so basically 1 to 1. Rafinha is 4 goals from 5 XG. And Lamini Mall is 2 goals from 3.5 XG. Lamini Mall is also with 2 goals from 3.5. Same thing with Javelic, 7 from 7. Very close to it. Same with Lewandowski, 12 from 13, Rafinha 4 from 5. So it's not too far off being one-to-one for all of the other four forwards. But Farron, again, is almost double his XG. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's Pique and Puyol or Pique and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy and all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content, everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Now, the more telling stat from Steve, friend of the show, Steve, Ferran Torres is 14th in the top big five leagues or top five leagues with goals plus PKs per 90, which because of his substitute appearances this season, I think that measurement is even more significant to me that he is in per 90 goals slash PK goals behind. I mean, just going down the the list of the figures that we're mentioning in Grassi from Bayer Leverkusen leads at 1.19, which is insane, by the way. Harry Kane. (laughs) Plays for he's the Bayern Munich forward and the Bayern Munich forward. You can ask Lewandowski is always high on this list. Every yeah, and then, a good way to make a living. <laughs> and then Christian Stuani, who is the number one forward off the bench for none other than Girona, who leads the league. Latoro Martinez, Kylian Mbappe, Chris Wood is kind of the surprise there, but yeah, yeah all there in the in EPL. Avaro Morata, Dennis Undaz, uh, Diego Jota, Artem Dibbik. So Girona has two on this list in the yeah. top Erlen Holland. Jude Bellingham and Vlasovic from uh, Juventus. And then there's That's pretty good. There are, yes, some surprise names on that list, but the fact that he, like, I, I do compare him to Stewani here, who is a plus nine, eight, which is absurd, but also yes. tells you just how important that <laughs> he has been to Girona coming off the bench. But then again, Dovbik for Girona is a point eight oh, And if Lewandowski, yeah was a 0.80, by the way, per 90, then Barcelona would be leading La Liga. Yes. 100% chance that if Dobik and Lewandowski had the same per 90 goals plus PK goals, then Barcelona would be in a very yeah. different spot. But Ferran Torres has proven himself, other than Jao Felix and Rafinha, because those are the guys I'm comparing him to in this stat, he has, I mean, he is the second forward this season. Like, statistically, yes. like, it is Ferran Torres, which... I kind of want to glide and guide into that second conversation about does this mean that he has then made good on his 55 mil? The answer, unfortunately, to that is still no because of what a disappointment that last season was. Like there is still, what is it, two years? Yes, there's two years left in this deal. And with what he makes with his wages, and I think that's where we restructure the deal. And I always want to say to people, think a little bit differently now that Ferran Torres has now made good on what he makes in the wage bill. He is not overpaid for the goals that he gives you per night sure. in the yeah. way, like on the wage structure. Yes. In, the comparison to that is that Frankie de Young, and there are people on different sides of this aisle, which is so interesting about it, but Frankie de Young, I think, has he made or, or more than made the impact of 75 million euros in 2019? Yes. For his transfer fee of 75 million euros, he has been a starting center forward. I mean, a starting midfielder for mm-hmm. a, a, a team that won the Liga, won Spanish Super Cup, mm-hmm. has contended for league titles year in and year out, and has contended for trophies, has won Copa del Reyes, and he's been a starting center midfielder for that team with also a high ceiling going from the age of, what was he? He was 22 when he arrived. And now Something he's, like that, I believe, yeah. yeah. And he's 26 now. So in the early part of his prime, being worth 75 million euros, with the time left on his contract, he has been, yes, 75 million euros worth. But Frankie de Young cannot possibly give you the production that's 37.5 million euros of weight can give you, right? So in the weight bill, Frankie de Young could never provide you the value that he is equal to. But I think he is more than made up for his 75 million euro transfer fee at this point, four years into his Barcelona career. And, And that is where the nuance exists. And that's why the Ferran Torres conversation is about $55 million up front from Man City. Because then immediately you say Julian Alvarez. I don't want to talk about Julian Alvarez because, like, I just, I don't, I said it then, I'll say it now. I don't think Barcelona had a inside track on Julian Alvarez. I think that Man City were always getting at Julian Alvarez. And Barcelona at the time had to just kind of lock up with a, it was a musical chairs and it was, a late night at the bar. Well, and, we, we you know, forget. And Ferran Torres, here we go. Well, I think so, too. Like, I think what happens is we forget just how bleak the situation was then. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, Barca had sold whatever, like Barca had eBayed whatever they could find around the house and done every little bit of nipping and tucking and, you know, belt tightening and any other cliche you can think of. And they had cobbled together this you know, 55 million, give or take, that could be splurged on a, a star level player. Well, I mean, I, and, like for the context, yeah. I remember it was that. Theron Torres accepted lower wages. Yeah. Um, and again, that deal was amortized over five seasons. Sure. The very reason why you say, why did you spend 55 million euros the summer after you couldn't keep Lionel Messi? Because Lionel Messi with FFP could not be retained. Right. So it's yeah. brought in because it's not about the transfer fee. It's about. Well, yeah, because Messi, yeah, Messi's wages were starting too high. You can only, you can only cut it so much. Correct. Like, very yeah. About that. yeah. yeah. Because, like, you can't – Messi couldn't have done, like, a Shohei Otani thing and, like, just said, like, I'll, I'll play for, like, whatever, minimum wage, barely. And, you know, just so you guys can – but so, yeah, as far as your original question was the – I mean, I do agree. I think this season and maybe to an extent last season or, you know, even if we want to say, you know, last season, Ferran didn't fully max out or, you know, justify the, the wages that he was paid. I'll say last year, like – I. Last year, we started to see that it was getting close. Like, I, even if you want to fall on the no side of that, I don't think you can do it too emphatically or say that he underperformed by by too much. At this point, I think the the transfer fee, I think, I mean, Ferran Torres, too, is 23 years old. You know, I guess he'll be, I, I just found, apparently he's a leap year baby. So he'll, uh, but, um, so he'll, he'll turn 24 in, or I guess six in in about uh, five weeks, but birthday, yeah, he gets real. Birthday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so he's still super young and has been a good player. And look, that that first year when he got here was it, it was a nightmare scenario, kind of all around. I mean, like I said, the the club was in just dire straits, and he was. I mean, most people don't think in the terms of, you know, kind of the nuance that you laid out of why, you know, why was it Ferran and not. So he got here and he was immediately the, and I remember I made this analogy at the time, but it was like Barca and Barca fans were like, we were kids who'd been scrimping and saving our allowances for, you know, a year or two. And you can go buy one big toy. And he was, he was the big toy and like, he, it better be awesome. So, I mean, I think he came in with a lot of, it just the eyeballs, like, I mean, short of just being messy, like, I don't know what he would have done in that moment to, to justify his, just justify his existence. So I think there was a year, you know, or however long you want to say that kind of crawl through the, crawl through the muck. And there was a, a little bit of rehab. And I do think like his, I think his confidence really, really took some serious body blows during that time. Well, and I, it's like, Kool-Aid can be very dogmatic too about like the idea of transfers because yes. like when Barcelona goes for transfers and I think like we always forget too it's it's and it's this for every club like uh, Arsenal mm. fans are really great at this mm. too. it's this revisionist history on the players that came in the flop that didn't work out for for clubs and so we kind of forget all of those all in totality and they just become these jokes and memes and things and then you only remember that the likes of Ronaldinho and Rivaldo and Romario. I know I'm mentioning a lot of Brazilians, but even Luis Suarez and I'd say Ter Stegen, like the ones that worked out, like the home run hits. I mean, not even like Neymar even, you know, like, I mean, he, I mean it worked. <laughs> top 30 player that ever played for Barcelona, you know, and so yeah. the, the, the transfers that hit are the ones that, you know, you truly, truly remember. And yes. then the rest of the, the, the team too is bolstered by these players that you, you won't even speak the, the, the wages that they make. Like for example, we're, I'm transitioning this into talking about Lamine Mall here. Lamine Mall re- reportedly makes 1.6 euros per year because he just signed that professional contract at 16. And with that contract, apparently some of the negotiation was that he would make first team appearances or be a part of the first team dynamic. But the number itself was based on him being a 16-year-old signing his first professional contract still. And so that number wasn't going to be inflated because he could have been a 16-year-old who didn't work out in the first team. And so he's at 1.6. Balde's still at 1.6, but he's still waiting for that other contract, by the way. That one is going to come up. But Vita Roque was brought in. He's at 3.5. And so I also want to temper the expectations of that. Like he is paid at 3.5, to put an example here, that Lewandowski's at 26 million euros. You got Pini at 12.5. Ferran Torres is at 10. So for 
Vita Roque to come in a 3.5. He's being paid as an 18-year-old forward who's kind of given time to become a goal scorer and a star. And he's just a supplementary piece at the moment. Again, and Lamine Mall at 1.6. And then Fermin Lopez is at just 250000 this moment. Yeah. I believe he's also going to be renewing for a much higher number once that <laughs> contract. Uh, and it's still, yes, Balde and... Fermin Lopez, and is it Araujo, I believe, who's the other one still waiting for that? Yeah, he hasn't gotten done yet. Right. So he's at $7 million and he will likely jump up to uh, close to 10 So those three, they're still waiting on on those contracts to be... Uh, same thing as Gavi, 6.8. That will also rise. But again, coming off the books will be no one yet. No, Kinsello uh, uh, and some of the other ones, and Alonzo, Roberto... Who don't make much at all. So Barcelona actually will not be losing much salary this season. When I, listen, I, I keep thinking, like, how are some of these contracts not over yet? Like yeah, some of those like zombies that just like they're gonna fall us to the grave. Frankie De Young so at tw- uh, 2026. Yeah, I mean Levin. At least at least he's here and he's like contributing and helping. Like I feel like there's still like I feel like Arda Turan is somehow still hurting this team. He is not. Uh now- <laughs> Two years ago, though, which is absurd. Yeah, right? Rafinha and Santori's are the big one. They're at 2027. I mean, so yeah. still on for four more seasons. So anyway, but talking about Lamine Mall, who whose contract is for three more years, so 2026, which is, again, an insane number. And that is what Ferran Torres, as that transition goes, that is what Ferran Torres is battling against, is the contracts of these, like, prodigies, that these prospects that are just, like, over and exceeding at 16 and 17 beyond what they could ever be paid for the first team. I mean, and that's why they're so inflated because by 20, they're signing these huge deals because they're golden boy. I mean, look at Pedri, right? Golden boy by 20, or he was 19 when he got that award. Gobby was 18 when he got that award, and you push the limit. So yesterday, Labini Mall was fantastic. Up front, I want to almost ask you, but also kind of tell you that I that was his best match for uh, in an FC Barcelona uniform because regardless of... Yeah, because he didn't score a goal, but everything else, like just mentioning the stats here with the the five successful dribbles, the three key passes, obviously the second goal was all him, the, the assist to Ferran Torres. I mean, he still didn't finish it, but I mean, just holding off the man and showing everything, showing everything. Strength, there were twice he held off his the defender, the, the interception, he had a, even a headed clearance, like 11 to 14 on his duels, he was kicking the ball away from Luis Enrique and Abner on that side, trying to get down. And there was nothing Abner could do. One of his matches for Real Betis this season. Um, yeah, he had the most dribbles. He also won the most tackles in the game with four, three chances created. I, I always say like you start Rafinha over Lamini Mall because of his defensive work rate. But yesterday, Lamini Mall defensively had a game beyond or just as good as what Rafinha could have done or better. 58 touches in the game, five ball recoveries even fouled once like he was just he was really 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 good in that match and to a point where every match we wonder what would this team look like of the good and the bad if Usmane Dembele had resigned and was still around because of what he meant for Xavi's team but yesterday Lamini Mall was so good in 1v1s then when they had to double in he was consistently making the right decisions he was skating by multiple players and when you have a winger doing that it's just it's crazy because in Xavi's system when you have a winger doing that, you can win games and you can score a lot of goals. And it doesn't matter how much your forwards want to miss their chances. Chances are created that the forwards are going to put in. Like anything. yeah, they're going to score in spite of themselves when you exactly. know when you have when you have that guy. Exactly, and and that's exactly what happened yesterday. The Flaminimal was just that good. I said it on the five headlines, and I'll repeat it again. Ferran Torres had the hat trick. He was excellent. Yes, but Flaminimal was my man of the match because he's the one that, from a tactics perspective, put. Real Betis on their heels, and yes. historically, there was nothing they could do. Barcelona always had an extra body, always had an extra man, and he was just too dangerous for Real Betis yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, yeah, it's one of those one of those things. Like, I mean, I think it's fair enough to give the man of the match to, to Ferran Torres, but in truly in terms of who was the the in terms of both level and kind of tangible results, I guess, like the tallies. Um, you know, that's fair enough, but I mean, let me know just in terms of just his impact. Like you, you mentioned all the numbers. I mean, those are tangible impact, but even there was an intangible element to him, which is, I mean, my biggest frustration, especially over the last I don't know, two months, let's say with, with Barca has been 
something we talked about a little bit last year, even when things were going well, you know, it was kind of Dembele was the only, I don't know what the word is you you would even say. I mean, I guess like, I don't want to say difference maker, but but yeah, X Factor, just sort of, yeah, deadly sort of an apex predator is like a, a term that I sometimes use, you know, like, and my, my biggest frustration with this team, especially after they started the season pretty well and they had some they had some gritty performances with you know with the comebacks and things like that it just it feels like it's gone into a lull where you have a bunch of objectively talented players but none of it seems to be coalescing into anything legitimately dangerous and Lamine Mall yesterday sort of delivered the I mean that's it it's the x factor it's that element of not only are we facing a bunch of just really talented and good players like there's a guy who will potentially embarrass us, who will potentially rip your heart out when you're not expecting it. And you have to worry about that too. On top of, you know, marking Robert Lewandowski and marking Ferran Torres and all that, all the other tall orders that, that the day at the office against Barca presents. Well, I do think that I, we didn't want to talk about the mentality of Ferran Torres. And I would say that, you know me, I always kind of not say that that's less important, but I always say that like, you know, the skill and the talent and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff, you know, pierces through when the stats and the numbers and stuff come to, to, to rue. But, you know, Ferran Torres has been pretty honest about the mental part of the game. And I think it is almost a cheat code from, and, and I say the same thing about any of the major academies, like even the, the Fabrica as well, especially the Fabrica and, and Barcelona's, and Barcelona, obviously, and with La Masia, then Athletic Club, their, their academy as well. There is something very special about, actually, we also see that. I'm, I'm throwing their academy as well. Uh, there is something about the mentality of these youngsters where even if they don't survive at Barcelona, so many of them, I go back to a youngster that, that left years and years ago, John Terrell, who is 16, went to Arsenal, uh, was one of Arsenal's, after Cesc Fabregas, was one of the big, you know, big recruits for them uh, who, who left the academy at 16. And I think he basically made his time at Birmingham City and he bounced around it, whether it was EPL for just like a hot minute and then mostly the championship for his career. And I, I use him as an example because, again, he was highly coveted, moves for a money move to 16 from Arsenal to, I mean, from Barcelona to Arsenal. And even that kind of kid has the mentality that I'm a professional footballer. From the age of like 12 to 13, they're going to be professional footballers. It's just a matter of where. Even in the third or fourth division, you know, I, I, I tweeted out yesterday a, a name, Jorge Alastui, who was a, the, who is the same age-ish as, as Gabi, but Gabi was a level up, but he was the same one in the team of Marcosado, Xavi Simmons, like that was a crowded midfield at the U16 level. And he winds up having just a terrible injury that basically destroyed his career. And so he's now playing in the third division and he played earlier this year against Barca Athletic. But he's still going to be, I mean, I know third division semi-pro, but he still has ambitions at 20 of making it to the second division. There's a mentality to these, these kids that is, I don't want to take that for granted, that these kids like Lamine Hall is already treats himself like a professional athlete and in all the different ways, like in between the ears. And he's just, they're so far ahead. Like there's no learning to do. Like the learning curve is already, you eat, you sleep, you, well, if you're still in school, you study, but you treat yourself. If yeah. you come from our academy like a professional athlete and yes. you want to make it, you're going to have to treat yourself as when such. When you do it a certain way, there's a, yeah, like there's a yeah. standard that's set. When I think too, it's any, and you know, I mean, this is well-trodden ground just in sports discussion in general, but I mean, the even your most kind of middling or subpar professional athlete has a, you know, just an innate self-confidence and just self-belief that mm-hmm. sort of the the you know we normies just cannot fathom like you know we we laugh you know we've uh talk about the nba a lot of, and you'll get you know a random gunner you'll, you know you get a Dion waiters type who will talk about how he genuinely believes that he is never not the best player on the floor and he thinks he's the best player in the nba if he just gets a chance like he could be lebron and that kind of thing for, and, for the heads for the old heads the name i always yeah. want to say is ricky davis the old oh god yeah <laughs> Even people don't care about basketball, Google <laughs> Ricky Davis and just type in like Ricky Davis, like confidence or stories. Yeah. Like he is an all time irrational yeah. legend. Like he might be the guy. Yes. He's way, way up there. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the thing is, I don't, and yeah, I mean, of course I laugh at him, you know, and like when the Ricky Davises and Dion waiters in the world say that kind of thing, but 
I mean, I don't firsthand get it, but I, I get that that's what got you here. And also there's the reality that you were probably well into your formative years, possibly into adulthood, the first time you consistently met people who were better than you at this. Mm -hmm. You know, like when, I mean, these guys, the, the worst player in La Liga was a a prodigy and just a, a wonder kid. And it was probably well into his formative years before running into people where you're like, oh no, damn, these guys are, these guys are like legit, you know, faster and stronger and bigger than me. But, but that's why, but that's why they play them groups up from down. Mm -hmm. So like Balde was first, yeah. like Balde got punched in the mouth for the first time when he was playing with the U16s when he was 14. So that like he yeah. was already two age groups up. And then yeah. when Balde was 15, he was playing with the U17, right? And so like these kids are getting punched in the mouth early on. Like Gabi was 15 when he played his first U19 match. And you can see that he was, you know, under And those are big years too, as far as yeah. like just kids growing up and, you know, putting on muscle and a 15 year old who hasn't fully, you know, fully filled out and a 19 year old who might be filling out a, a bit more quickly. Like that's, yeah, that's a chasm. Like you really have to bridge a gap there. I speak from my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. I played high school mm -hmm. soccer here mm -hmm. when I was training with, you know, the full team, we weren't mm -hmm. a big enough team. So everybody did preseason together. I was still 13, about to turn 14 when we started our preseason when I was in ninth grade. And so when the kids who were going into 12th grade, who had even had a birthday already, who were all, so there was one guy who was 18 and I was 13 and we playing, you know, and then where I played the sport, it was just a lot of like more wrestling on a terrible field than it was like actually one of the drills we would do is uh, that one where I can't remember the name of it, where you start on two, uh, two sides and they just throw it in the middle. And it's a 50-50. You've got to make contact on the ball and win the tackle, right? I go in and I'm, what am I, 106 pounds? And at that right, at 13, and this, and this kid is 190, which is a number I'll never hit because he was like 6'2", 6'3". He was a big dude. And I mean, and so we collide in the middle and I, I tore a muscle on my back and I missed like half of the season. And it was just, it was just you know, it's just, that's what happens. And I, it wasn't even a matter of mentality, but it, it was just like, it, it was a different body. It was a different guy. Yeah, like there just comes a point where you run into a physical, a physical object that that's just bigger than what you can yeah, move I mean, or, you know. Talent that yeah. insurmountable, which by the way, then now we're transitioning real quick because mm. we have more things to talk about here. Yep. I'm transitioning into Pau Gabarsi because that kid very much like me, Maul, like you see the face, it's 16, but then you watch him glide around the field. And as, as a winger, you're like, okay, like it, it makes sense. But center backs, there's no hiding that. Like you've got to make, you've got to be physical. You've got to have like, composure. You've got to look like a man. You've got to look like an adult. And Pastor Barcy, you see it. And I'm like, well, physically he doesn't necessarily look like a man, but also like you see his face and the, the, the illusion is completely destroyed. You know, I, I don't want to spoil the prestige here, but you know, <laughs> you understand this is a, this is just a magic trick that he is putting on this, this now happy birthday to him today. Feliz cumpleaños. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the 81 minutes, he had 69 touches, 58 of 62 of his passes. Yeah, I added it all up from the athletic article, too. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Five at long balls, not dispossessed at all, one tackle, one block, two clearances, one interception, two ball recoveries, three or four in his duels. He was not dribbled past, and he did not commit a single foul. Yeah, in that's terms insane. Of, I think of when he was, what was he, 19 when he debuted Ronald Araujo for the, for the first team, and he gets that red card after like 10 minutes, right? Yep. There's that kind of debut in the Liga, and then there's Kubarsi's. Yes, of course, he goes off injured. He would have loved to continue to stay on yeah. the game, but I don't think it's going to long-term injury. Either way. That doesn't seem to be, yeah, like there, there doesn't seem to be any big concern at this moment. No, it just, I, I don't want to use hyperbole on a 17-year-old center back. I don't want to do this. But he was trusted in playing as the left center back, as a right-footed player. He consistently, how many times, I was thinking about this yesterday too, Left-footed Clement Lingley. I don't. I, I'm so sorry. I don't drag Clement Lingley because he's a great. He's a great, great center back that Aston Villa or AC Milan yeah. wants to buy. Definitely buy him if you're listening to this, AC <laughs> Milan president or <laughs> yep. fantastic. But if in his time at Barcelona, a left-footed Clement Lingley playing on the left, how many times did he hit that that lofted ball from the left center back position over to the right back in? As he was moving forward, how many times did he, on a dime, hit that pass yeah. by passing the forward, like 
over the head yeah. of the <laughs> center forward and bypassing the other center back into the path of an on-rushing right back. How many times did Lay make that pass? I could count on, I mean, he would make the long diagonal over to the winger, but I'm talking about that little lofted one. I, yeah, like and, really, like that's yeah. like the the chip shots. Like I mean, really, like your short game. Yeah. Or she made that pass four times yesterday in just ninety minutes. Like there is. Okay, a- I didn't know it was four, but I, as you said it, I was thinking of yeah. kind of a, a couple of the ones that he. Well, his. Uh, so in that same article that I, I was reading about him today, Albert Booch, who was his U 13s coach, is already uh, invoking Carlos Puyol. I don't want to view names, but I'll, I'll have a this. His old coach did. We can just we can just piggyback on that. <laughs> the easy the easy thing I'm saying is like based yeah. on what if he doesn't have a growth spurt at the moment? What if Eric Garcia was better at defending? Just better, yeah. What if Eric Garcia was better? Um, <laughs> if he was a very highly rated center back prospect. Yeah. Man City and all that stuff, but yes. What if Eric at the moment? Yeah, because I say that without like no no shame. It's not like Eric Garcia stinks or whatever. But like, what I if Eric, what yeah, if he was I, better? <laughs> well, yeah. But what if Eric was starting center back for Barcelona as yes. opposed to starting center back for Girona? Who, yes, I need to lead the league, but you understand the, the yeah, yeah. level. So yeah, what if Eric Garcia was better? But I also I, I said it on the five headlines. I repeat it again. Composure. Every time I've ever watched him, and I first saw him with the U sixteen. Every time I've ever seen, and he was 14 at the time, by the way, every time I've heard Marcy, composure is the name of the game. He defensively, his positioning is always good. He doesn't, like, there, there aren't these outrageous athletic dives that he makes. I mean, the, the, when he got hurt yesterday, the step in, really good timing, really good composure, uh, and, and an experience way beyond 17, way beyond 17. And again, I'm not using hyperbole. It is difficult to be a center back, and you have to be consistent. You have to get minutes, and he's just not going to get that. So I, I, I'm totally pumping the brakes and saying to you that next season, I expect him to have a similar role, you know, flirting with the first team, basically the fifth center back, even if they sell a center back, maybe he's the fourth center back. And maybe we're going to Yeah, I could see him being the fourth one. I mean, if this, if this continues, if he stays healthy and the kind of this developmental curve, like if he doesn't hit any stumbling blocks in his, in his development or just his acclimation to the first team, I could see him being fourth but yeah i don't know. I don't expect that for two more years until mm-hmm. he's 18 and then i expect him to be a part of the first team because his ceiling is just higher than uh and it's interesting because faye who's that <laughs> he just came back from a suspension and then got another red card and he's been his highlights have been really fun with Barca athletic like he makes some insanely athletic tackles and then he also has a tremendous long ball uh faye's long ball and free kick stuff is Really, really cool to watch. Uh, really good technical skill there. But he is much more of this highs and lows, right? But Kubarsi has been his partner at, with Barca Athletic or Fall came into the team. And it has just been, they've been such an, an interesting tandem because Faye, again, the highs and the lows. But then Kubarsi has just been straight down the middle every single match. You expect exactly what you're going to get from Pau Kubarsi. He has made some defensive mistakes. But so has Ronald Araujo this season, by the way. At the oh, first I mean, no one's no one's going to go through and and never make a mistake. But you get a sense of there there does seem to be a kind of an innate calm to how he does what he does. It's a little bit of like he just kind of he seems to have a very good sense of where to be. I mean, it goes back to one of those like old Cruyffisms where if you stand where you're supposed to be, you shouldn't have to sprint, and so. Like if you've if you've taken a couple of steps in the right direction, you don't have to you don't have to scramble to cover. Like you at that point, it's just a quick slide over, and and that applies probably you know in defense in any any team sport, whether it's you know basketball, American football, European football, just with an efficiency of movement, get close to where you're supposed to be, but you know keep keep your options open and account for different variables. It's it doesn't have to look spectacular, but the the result is the the totality of it is spectacular. Even though it's not really it's not highlight real stuff. It's more so just it's wonderful when you don't have to think about you know the sort of the exploits of one of your center backs. You know, like just I mean, these platitudes and truths that are that are weird. I, I know his team coach said twenty years since Carlos Puyol, um, but yeah, Juan Mercat, who's a well respected uh, you know covers Barca's academy and stuff, a Catalan journalist. He said it was the best center back prospect he's seen in 20 years, and I agree with that. Like I, I, I've said before, like the the names that come up 
right away, like Eric Garcia, Mark Munieta, uh, and now you're already talking about Gerard Piquet, and then before that, you're going to Puyol, and now you're back 25 years. And that's the class that Paco Barsi is in. It's so difficult because I'm not talking about his weaknesses here. At 17, you're allowed to not have us talk about your weaknesses. And anything you contribute to the first team, as I always say, is like beyond anything, right? So I, I think it's the, it's this weird thing where it is true that he is the best center back prospect in 20 years in the academy in the same way that Lamine Yamal. It is not a comparison to Messi, but he is the best prospect with the highest ceiling on the wing since you know Messi. Like that is what Lamine Yamal is. And I, I'm only speaking of that because of the age of which he is and the contribution to the first team he already has at 16. And the reminder is, is that the future is totally unknown because Ansati was the best, you know, goal scoring per 90 prospect that had come up since Boyan. And that's how quick that went. And those stories, there are some parallels in how that story turned out by the time that they were 20 years old already. And, and so you, you never know what the future holds. But in this moment, right, we're trying to, as I always say, when I talk about these kids, I'm trying to capture this moment in time. And in this moment of time, that is what Kubarsi is at 17. And that is what Lamini Mall is at 16. That is what they are in this moment. Just, you know, with the, the, the bird's eye view of this tiny little, again, like little point, little moment on the timeline. So very excited about Kabarsi. I'll be excited every time we see him this season because his ceiling is so high. Don't expect him to take anybody's starting spots. He is the fifth center back right now. But the fact that he had the performance he did and did not, he took what I saw at the U16 level and he converted that to Real Betis on the road in Antalusia. Uh, that is just how good I know he was going to be with, with between the years, and he exceeded my expectations, which is why I'm so excited about this moment for him. Okay, last topic. Let's see if we can do this in like six or seven minutes, because I know he'll get ornery with us if we, if we go too long on it. Third minute, Lewandowski comes out of the game for Vita Roque, which I've said about Vita Roque, it's going to be a slow progression, and because social media discourse is every hour and every minute, I feel like we have to have these conversations about Vita Roque, which I'm not interested in doing. The time he's already gotten under Xavi is fine by me. I think he did come in with a little bit of a knock. And even if he comes off the bench in every match throughout the remainder of the season, because Barca have already got Athletic Club on Wednesday. And as I said yesterday, I think Lamini Mall played the 90 because Xavi is preparing to start Jao Felix, Lewandowski, and Ferran Torres against Athletic Club. I think that is the idea. And same thing with Vita Roque. He will not be starting at Athletic Club. So... Don't get crazy about that. Maybe he'll start next weekend, but I, I think Lewandowski is going to be the regular starter every single time. But it was very telling that Lewandowski, I don't need to look this up. I think for the, yeah, because unless he was injured for the first time ever, or he came out with somebody else, but for the first time ever, Robert Lewandowski in a Barcelona uniform was the first and only solo sub to come out of a Barcelona game. Is that wow. the, I think it's the first time that that happened? I can't think of another, again, unless he was injured, that would have been, or came off with someone else. That would have been the first yeah. time alone. No, but that totally, that totally tracks. Right? I think just, that's right. I mean, given his usage and just given, yeah, given what he's been and given his usage, maybe, maybe there was an instance uh, we don't remember, but just the, what you're describing, that, that makes sense. So what does this mean? Does it, is this, who's, is this growth for Xavi and making decisions? Is this, you know, like how much do we read into that moment? Because that is what, that is a brave thing. I know it sounds crazy, but that is a brave thing for Xavi to do. And if it's if it's what the not to call them fringe, but like if it's what the people on social media are screaming for and pining for, game in and game out, there's usually a lack of sense to it. There's a reason why Xavi, who knows much more than us, wouldn't do the thing that you've been wanting and calling for 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 two months. Or you know, I mean, obviously Vita broke it three weeks ago. But the point is, right? Lewandowski coming out of game no matter who. Right. Or like, you know, Lemondowski being the first to sit, to sit on the bench when when he is the issue, because that's what it was like. He was kind of the issue yesterday in that 11 and everything else was kind of working. Right. So he's the one who comes off because he was kind of the problem, which not to say a problem, but you use your sub. So it's like I, I don't want to say that he was the problem, but he was contributing the least. So he was yes. the guy to yeah. get the game. And, and that's, that's not. Yeah. And like that happens. But, but that's great. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that is great yeah. for Xavi to do to take out Lewandowski, even though we know, yes, the truth was that he was the least influential player. So he should yes. have been the first. Like, 
on a, in a system of meritocracy, which is what Xavi calls for. I, I don't know. Is there is there is there a bigger story here, or is this really just an instant of Xavi kind of being brave, but also Lewandowski being fair to accept that you know Vita Roque is now in the squat, so you are going to lose some minutes now. Like it's, your your spot is secure, but you're going to lose some minutes to this kid that we spent a lot of money on. I have a question on this. <laughs> I guess like just and it's a so on the one hand, I think Xavi was being smart, and I think also with the. I don't know how close anything has ever come to is the the whole like is is Javi's job in peril kind of you know the, those discussions that have that have happened. But anyway, the summer. I don't think it's all the summer. I think no, was, you know what? It's all year. Yeah. But but anyway, like I think the but even when those when those murmurs start, you know, it kind of it chums the water for everyone. Anyone who talks about it, people online, you know, reporters and whatever. Look, maybe there's an element of Javi was trying to do it in a way where. Let's have success and keep everyone happy. But then, you know, if you if you reach a point where Lewandowski is supposed to be, I guess, the first name on the on the lineup card, and whatever apparently his starting is non negotiable and and all of that. But at some point, I mean, it comes down. I wonder if Chavi just did look and say, like, dude, we have to worry about your ego while the rest of the team is not succeeding to the extent that we possibly could. There, you know, people are at least openly contemplating the fact that I might get canned in, you know, in a few months, score some goals or, you know, be treated at least I'm not saying be treated like just any old random rank and file player, but no, like you, you have to make a contribution like you've, yeah, last year, last year was great, you know, yay, but Robert Lewandowski is a good player. He's, you know, he was fantastic last year. He's had a fantastic career, everything like that, but if he's, I don't know. He's he's not like a a club icon, unimpeachable club legend. You know, whatever Catalan hero sort of thing. Where like, no, dude, you're a guy who you're a striker who's closer to forty than he is to thirty two. <laughs> so, or you know, maybe at least definitely to thirty. So, yeah, that's how that goes. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why you have to be so worried about like Robert Lewandowski getting the feels because like, dude, it's okay. Well, I, what I'll say, too, is that I, I do think, to put this conversation to bed, mm. I think people will get frustrated again in the future now because if you're going to put Vita Roque in a forward line with Jao Felix and Lamini Mall and Ferran Torres, the uh -huh. game to do that in is in a wide-open game yeah. that you're looking to kind of try to steal a win there because you conceded the two goals. And Isco was great, too. I, I just want to shout out Isco. Yeah, you know, that was, yeah. I'm glad he's a former Real Madrid Fan, I mean, a player because I think they like kind of kicked him to the curb, and nothing makes me happier than Real Madrid kicking a player to the curb than him succeeding. Yeah, they, yeah, they kind of did him dirty. I feel like they put him on the bench for like three years. Yeah, when he right after he was one of their heroes. Exactly. So yeah. I, it gives me a little. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah Isco was great. Brought them back from the game, which is what he's been doing this year. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised. Isco was great. But then after Barcelona, yeah, looked like they were bottling it, struggling in the second half. The guy, it was good on Xavi to reopen that game but again moving forward now especially starting on wednesday against athletic club do not expect that to happen again i, I think Lewandowski in those small spaces again i think ferran torres and lamine Yamal and vita roque like that game was built for them to go up and down and and quickly and so you're just you're not going to see those opportunities again like it's not going to happen like teams don't if anything napoli is actually one of the next examples of a team that does kind of allow that to happen and that game can get open, but in the champions league, you know, two legs, do you really want that to happen? And that's a, a debate for a different time. Yeah. And I mean, look, it's at the very least, it's good to have, I guess, two things. One, it's good to have different gears that you can shift to based on, based on, I mean, maybe the style of your opponent, but also just the situation that you're in. Like if you, you need a goal, like there has to be different ways that you play and, if your ostensible primary goal scorer isn't giving you much, like you, you need to have somewhere to turn. So like on the one hand, so it's, I think it's valuable, first of all, to have those different gears to shift to and know what they are. And also it's nice to see a willingness to actually do it without, kind of without worrying about more like tabloidy fallout and repercussions and stuff like that. 
No, I mean, like, there's a there's a collective job to do. <laughs> you know, just we need to score more goals than these guys, and you're not helping us right now. That doesn't mean you're we're on the outs, like, or you know, you're getting dropped all the time. But no, I mean, the, we need to do the thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that, and that's what makes play <laughs> so difficult. You're playing a MMS against Athletic Club, and it's a Copa del Rey, so it's a knockout competition. It doesn't yeah. matter how many goals are scored against you, and that's kind of what makes that game, or what will make that game interesting, because it's not say a bummer, but it's rough being a Barcelona manager because if they go down to nothing in that game and then Xavi has to go for it in a cup game on the road, right? Like it does matter the difference between Xavi losing two nothing and four nothing. Like that does matter. If you go and you're knocked out, like, but you're knocked out either way. It doesn't, it doesn't actually matter, but it does matter because four nothing and two nothing matter. So it, it's rough being a Barcelona manager because you get bit in the press and the pressure gets amplified if you lose by a certain number or if you lose in a certain way. And, and yeah, it is what it is. So that, that's my thing about Wednesday. But I do hope Xavi is brave and goes for it on Wednesday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I said it in the five headlines with a lot of pretty art. With, with articulation, which I failed to do right there, uh, with, with good articulation yesterday about Inaki Pena. Inaki Pena, to me, to, not to oversimplify it, but he is a good shot stopper. He is good enough with his feet. He is above average in that category. Again, Ter Sagan is one of the best in the world at that. Inaki Pena, from when I saw him with, with Barca B, he has always struggled commanding the air. And that, unfortunately, has, and communicating has been something that has reared its ugly head of multiple times this season, and that has been the issue. That is why he can never be a number one for Barcelona, but I do still think that he could be a number one somewhere. I think Galatasaray was actually his level, and I think he will be a number one somewhere, but his lack of communication and lack of commanding the air is just, it's not, it's average, and Barcelona need above average because they expect to win every match. And well, expect- basically, I think like he's he seems like a goalkeeper who's, he needs a, veteran he needs veteran defenders in front of him who basically like don't need you know you obviously need to obviously you always need to communicate with the defenders but you almost you know just with a with a veteran back line that almost doesn't need the communication because they're so kind of ingrained in their jobs and ideally sort of big guys who can who can command the air when when he cannot well i mean araho has been around for yeah now sure but he's still 24 and he's the kind of defender that's just going to go for it though so you've got to call him off yes and then Algabarsi's 16 or now yeah 16 yesterday and right. <laughs> is also not really a he's not known to be a communicator same thing with when it's no. when he was Sevilla. that's why he had Fernando yeah. in front of him protecting him and a veteran goalkeeper I think every time his goalkeeper behind him was in their mid-30s like he always had an older goalkeeper yeah. uh an experienced goalkeeper behind him so there wasn't, and Mbalde is 20 years old. So Yeah, that's the thing. They're either children or not, you know, that's not their leadership style. Which is not supporting Inaki Pena. So I hope they're saying no. it's helpful soon. And, but that's what I mean. Inaki Pena has been good enough to be a backup, but that's what he is. And now Barcelona, neither number one back. He's, he's not he's not a 1B in a way that 
No, he's a number two, and that's yeah. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. He's not as good. And like Real Madrid have Lunin and Kepa, he is not as good. Yeah. As <laughs> they are number ones in other teams. Uh, and Kepa, you could question <laughs> question him as well. And then that's what happens with goalkeepers too. Like things go wrong a little bit, and then you. It's very difficult. They need a lot of matches to change perception in a way that other outfield players can go on a little three-game hot streak, and now we talk about them in a different way. Well, also, the good, I mean, the, the thing with goalkeepers, and fairly straightforward, but, you know, it's if you're a midfielder or, you know, a left back or whatever, a winger, and you have a three- or four-game slump where, okay, not not complete nightmares, but, you know, you're not, you're not playing well. If the rest of the If the rest of your teammates are playing well enough or, you know, the results go your way or whatever, you can kind of fly under the radar. If, if you're having, if you're struggling as a goalkeeper, that is laid bare like all the time. Even if you're making the saves and your team is still kind of winning, but it feels kind of slapdash and everything feels like a white knuckle roller coaster ride. It's it's out there for all to see, and so it's yeah, it's very difficult to hide. I think that's where the, in addition to sort of the other, you know, challenges and difficulties of being good at that job. I think where it's like where it's very difficult is it's incredibly difficult to hide if you're just not playing well. Right. Yeah. So we're an hour into a podcast by FC Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And the big picture here is that Barcelona is seven points off of Real Madrid, eight points off Girona. Girona yesterday against Sevilla looked like they're going to win the Liga, which I think we all kind of do hope happens if it's not FC Barcelona. Obviously, obviously a little part of me, it's just like, yeah, I mean, it'd be great if they're one the Liga too. Just, and, and in terms of the Real Madrid on Mario stuff, because we're an hour in to an FC Barcelona podcast, like, all I'll say is this guy, Amaria, like they, the VAR report, uh, which you can hear the audio to, as well as, again, just listening to their manager and everybody else involved, the players. I, I think Amaria, you know where we all side. I don't need to add any context to what Amaria and VAR haven't already. So, yeah, it's, it's absurd. I, I'm not going to even say conspiracy, but it is absurd. It was a joke. It was terrible. And th- what I go back to is the... In all, in all sides, for Barcelona, against Barcelona, and certainly for Real Madrid. As, as I also remind you, too, Celta de Vigo in non-Barca, non-Real Madrid fa- games in the first third of the season, they had a he- many, many gripes. So, I mean, it was, you could go and ask every every club in the Liga this season when they've been hard done by, and every yeah. club is hard done by at one moment. This, that's against Real Madrid, though. Unfortunate, I'll say it this way. It's actually almost unfortunate that it was Real Madrid because now the story becomes about Real Madrid as opposed to what it would have been if it was, say, Almeria against even who? who Real Madrid. Mallorca. Right, Mallorca, yeah. right? Because if that happens at Almeria, Mallorca, we just get to say the thing that is true this season with full voice. And that is the refereeing, and even with VAR, has been less than stellar, actually bad, Multi- so many times this season where... Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it veers into atrocious fairly yeah. fairly frequently. You're going to get it wrong with VAR that many times. I mean, my goodness. like, What are we even doing here? Then? Why do we even... like? I mean, I'm I'm out on VAR kind of just as a as a thing. You know, like the... But, I mean, everything. Because I know in, in, in England, it keeps... It ruins the flow. It, it takes... Yeah. All it takes away from the game... The the promise that it what what it was billed as <laughs> the promise that was sold was you know yeah we're gonna you know we're gonna sap the emotion and the flow from the game and, you know you're gonna have to watch a couple of men go look go watch television for a second a few times a match but don't worry we're gonna get it all right if yeah, you're not I mean, gonna get it all right then what the hell are we doing I, I know people hate this comparison but again mm-hmm. it's only in the podcast I'll do it that. You know, one of the, the, the things I would do uh, for people know that I've worked in Major League Soccer before. One of the things I would do sometimes would I would do, I would do the, the the basically the instant replay, like the rules where we go through the different 50-50 questionable calls and moments from the, the weekend. And we go through that. And having done that clip and now covering and watching as much league as I do, I can tell you that MLS officials have gotten more right with VAR than the league officials have this season. And that is a huge indictment on La Liga. Again, I'm not, it's not necessarily a comparison between the leagues, but I'm telling you, like, there's a standard of official that we expect across different leagues. And if you expect a certain standard of player in MLS to compare that to La Liga, then the standard of MLS official to La Liga official, you'd think would be a similar disparity, right? You'd think that that would be a similar jump. 
but that is not that has not been the case of of my experience this season working with both of those those leagues. And yeah, so not to make it, I, not to say the Liga that uh, sorry, not to say that Real Madrid is off the hook and that there's not corruption and conspiracy and all the things that you want to have fun with. What I'm saying is that unfortunately for me, Real Madrid was the team because now that's the conversation and not that refereeing in La Liga needs to have overhaul. And because of Barcelona and Negrera, it's the same thing. The media and the reporters and everything, we because it's Real Madrid and because it's Barcelona with Negrera, you're just you're throwing this com- this conversation about competency just right out the window and saying, okay, this is just because of some a hundred year <laughs> deeply rooted political thing that is constantly happening with these victimized big clubs. Yeah, the whole conversation becomes yeah, becomes a conversation of corruption rather than competence. Which I think is is stupid. And I think Ameria this was so bad that if Ameria wants to cry competency, if they want to cry conspiracy, Ameria is a team that is not one in the Liga. And if there's anybody that's going to be able to cry, it's mm-hmm. going to be Ameria. They have yeah. a full right to cry and scream as loud as they want. So yes. FC Barcelona fans, just support your Ameria brethren in the moment. But you yes. don't need to scream conspiracy, uh, scream competency, because that's, that's what I'm yelling from the, the highest mountain. So, all right, that will wrap up today's show. Uh, follow Emil down in the show. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. I'm nearing 2,000 social media followers on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it. And I know it's a buying platform, but uh, let let mm-hmm. me have 2,000 in the ashes. So I think I'm like 500 people away or, or something like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you listen to the show, follow me on X. That'd be great. But more importantly, if you can support on the Patreon or merch store, those are the most, that money is money that goes directly into supporting the show and supporting me into making long form podcasts like this with the guests. And, uh, you know, if you're still listening, you know, you've been devout to me and I, I, now I appreciate the support this year. It, as I've been saying, it's been a rough year on the personal side of things, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. So mm-hmm. I try my best to have guests mm-hmm. on throughout the week. But with Barcelona playing twice a week, it's difficult to make three shows in a week and things like that. So I appreciate everybody's support this year. But again, close Facebook group, uh, Discord. You can continue the community as I can't be a part of those conversations sometimes. And then again, Patreon merch store. Those are the best ways to support the show. Most importantly, though, just listening, subscribing, and all that stuff. That's the best way, as well as to support the show. Until next time, though, we'll talk to you soon. Of course, Barcelona. Of course, Barcelona.